as I was traveling like into the space of eternity, I was so pissed. I'm probably the only spirit to make it to heaven and actually be mad. I was like, what? I'm wrong? Because, you know, in my life, I was a devout atheist. Hi, Betty. Thanks for joining me. I heard you had a near-death experience or a near-death type experience. Uh, could you share it with us, please? Yes, I can. Thanks so much for having me. I'm totally stoked to be here. Um, I grew up in a really chaotic, dysfunctional home. Every sort of trauma that you could imagine happened in my household. And so I turned to using illicit substances at a very young age to deal with all of the discomfort in my life. And my whole family is sort of like this perpetual cycle of addiction and poverty and trauma. I experienced a really traumatic loss in my life at a very young age. My parents, who were both very immersed in their addiction, made a decision to end their lives together. And I was 23 when that happened. My sister was 18. We found them. It was, I mean, there's just no words for what something like that is like. Oh. But in that moment, my addiction became my parent. And I decided that I would no longer be a victim to my circumstance. Now I would be the perpetrator in people's lives. And so that's what I did. I lived my life causing lots and lots of harm. And it progressed over the course of my life. I ended up having this near-death-like experience. I overdosed and I was taken to the space of eternity in a non-physical realm, in blinding white light, enveloped in unconditional love, the same space that near-death experiencers describe. And I was guided into this space by loved ones I had crossed over. I had a boyfriend who had recently passed away. He was there to greet me. My father greeted me, and as I was traveling into the space of eternity, I was so pissed. I'm probably the only spirit to make it to heaven and actually be mad. I was like, what? I'm wrong? Because, you know, in my life, I was a devout atheist. There had been so much dense energy that had happened to me in my life. There was no way that I was going to believe in a creator that would allow all those things to happen to me. And so I just stayed hidden from God, source, the universe, because it was just easier. And so when I made my way into this space, I was told that I was a divine uh, spiritual warrior, that I had chosen to come to earth and to live this life, and that I had chosen all of the adversity that I had experienced. The first part of my life was like boot camp, and the second part of my life would be carrying out the mission and that I had to come back to earth to do that. And I was like, oh, I'm not going back. You know, like being in that space of eternity was the first time that I ever felt whole. My whole life, all of these experiences had happened to me that just kept fracturing me into these little shards of glass. Like every piece of me was so broken. And when I entered the space of eternity, it was like this amazing glue that just made me into this beautiful mosaic. And I was finally whole and complete. And there was no way that I was returning. And I said, I'm going to grab my pajamas and a bowl of popcorn. I'll watch the show from up here. No way. You cannot make me go back. I will not go back. And they said, okay, let us take you through the, the details of your pre-birth plan. It'll probably help you get through the rest of your life because you're going back. So they took me. It looked a lot like a video game in my mind's eye, which could have a lot to do with the generation that I was born in. So this man presented himself to me. He was wearing a plaid blazer and a fedora. And we were inside of a grocery store and we had an empty grocery cart. And he said, pick your life. 
on the walls of the grocery aisles, it looked like there were these cereal boxes and every cereal box had a life experience on it. And I just remember like being this little orb of light and I was like, well, if I'm going to earth, I'm going to earth. And I just start grabbing every cereal box I can get my figurative hands on. There's no body there, but, and I just start throwing everything into the cart and you know, like just the densest experiences. And so many of them, my soul is like this you know, this script writer who has like no limits, like, okay, we're going to experience all of these different things. And then there were also things in the cart that I hadn't gotten to in my life yet, like recovery and overcoming and being a teacher and spiritual awakening and just all of these things that seemed really positive and beautiful. And so after they showed me the scene, you know, like it was as if two tons of bondage had been released from my body. You know, I was no longer a victim to my circumstance. I was actually a divine co-creator of my experience. Things had no longer happened to me. They had happened for me because on some soul level, I had chosen it for the evolvement of myself. I understood what was going on and I thanked them for showing me like the very intricate part of my, you know, pre-life plan and still absolutely refused to go back. And they said, listen, you have not balanced your life yet. You signed up for a mission and you have to complete it. So you don't have to go back into her, but you do have to go back. And so we'll show you the baby that you'll be born into if you choose not to go back into this life. And so they showed me this beautiful baby. They showed me everything about her, where she would be born, her ethnicity, her parents, her adversity, what her purpose would be, her mission all of the things that she'd have to go through in her life to get there. And because I hadn't balanced my own life yet, this baby was going to experience many of the things that I had already experienced. And I thought, oh man, there's no way that I can start from zero. If I, if this is my, if these are my only options, I guess I'll go back into her. And it wasn't like a punishment. It wasn't like we we're making you go back. It was like, listen, you signed up for something. You have to complete it. And so these are your options for completion. There's no way to not complete what you signed up for. I kind of likened it to like being on a roller coaster. You can't hop off the ride halfway through. You got to just complete the ride. So I, I found my awareness sifting back into my body. And I remember very distinctly them saying like, trust us, the second part of your life will not be nearly as challenging as the first. And I just said, I do not trust you. <laughs> I sifted back into my awareness. And, you know, I just wrote my experience off as drug-induced psychosis. All that I knew was that I took a bunch of drugs and then I thought I was talking to God, you know, and I just thought like, whoa, that was nuts. Like, I'll never be that messed up again. And, and that's it, you know. And then the universe, source, my angels, guides, my higher power stepped in in this very loud, tangible way to let me know that my experience was a true one and that I had to get onto a different path. Uh, and and begin to complete my soul's mission. So all of these divine synchronicities started to take place in my life. Like all of my dealers that I had been dealing with for over a decade, all simultaneously decided to change their lives and stop selling. And I was like, this is crazy. Like I'd call up one guy, he'd be like, listen, I found Jesus. I want to be a good dad. Like I'm out of wow. the game. And I'm like, okay, bye, click, you know, call up the next guy, same story, but they did not know each other. It was bizarre. So now I had no way to get what I needed. And, um, you know, I had a physical dependency to certain substances. And so I found myself on day three of withdrawal and I was so sick and I was welcoming death. 
I felt like my bones were on fire, like my skin was made of broken glass. I was sweating, chills, sick all over myself. And I had this thought and I said, man, I couldn't eat myself if I wanted to because I'm so sick right now that I can't even get out of this bed to figure out a way to do that. And right then I heard a voice and it told me that I could request what I wanted fixed. And I was like in the throes of desperation. So I was like, okay, strange voice. <laughs> I want to no longer be physically dependent on this substance. And so they told me to lay back, count backwards from 10. And I saw these two little men appear in my mind's eye. They were wearing white lab coats and they had little lawnmowers in front of them. And they started walking through each crevice of my mind. And as they walked through the crevices of my mind, I felt these intense, hot tingles. And I just knew that something magical, something mysterious was taking place. And after they finished walking through the map of my mind, I felt a plunger on the crown of my head. And, uh, and then in this bright white flash, I was instantaneously healed out of day three of withdrawal. And I mean, like, if you don't have any experience with what that's like, it's what they depict in films. I mean, like, it's brutal. It's tragic. It's why so many people stay tethered to substances for so long, because the pain is unbearable. So one moment before I'm writhing in pain, the next moment I'm completely healed and well. I jump out of bed. I'm crying out to the universe. I'm on my knees. I'm saying, I can't believe this is happening. How is this happening? I don't believe in this. Like you could not have picked a more unworthy subject to bestow this kind of grace on. And so then, you know, my path started to unfold and it became clear to me what I was supposed to do. Uh, at first I thought I was supposed to go out and share the good news. And I thought that I could heal people with just my hands. And so I was like running around New York city, like laying hands on homeless people. I'm like, I can heal you. It, it was insane. I feel so bad for everyone that I encountered in that time. But after that, like when it started to sort of the dust started to settle a little bit, I found myself on a train. I had no destination. And this man appeared across from me and he was wearing a 12 step fellowship necklace. And I heard a voice and it said, that's your path. Follow him to a meeting. And that was on June 1st, 2019, which is about two months after my spiritual experience in heaven. And, you know, I, that's, I started my path into recovery I, through some more divine signs and synchronicities. I found myself in a long-term rehab completely against my will. I did not want to do this. I did not want transformation. I did not want to have to learn everything, um, you know, like from the ground up. I had no idea how to do any part of life without using first. And in that long-term rehab, I ended up staying there for 17 months. I know, totally psychotic. I didn't have access to the internet or a cell phone for a year and a half. That's an accomplishment. Uh, so while I was there, you know, I had this insatiable thirst for knowledge. And so I had to get all my information out of books. It felt totally archaic. I felt like a caveman. But I learned so much. I read every sacred text. I read everything I could get my hands on about metaphysics and the law of attraction and I began to manifest my reality. They let me go to school while I was there. I have a job in the recovery field today, and my whole job is just self-disclosure. I say, hey, I'm in recovery. If I can do it, you can do it. And they pay me money for that. It's bizarre. <laughs> um, and you know, my whole life has really transformed in such a huge way. And I found my way to beautiful spiritual communities because I knew that that was part of my mission was to find my people. 
And so I just set intention and I asked the universe, I said, please send me my tribe. I know that they're here somewhere. And all of my communities manifest. I belong to 12-step fellowship. That's a spiritual program. I, I also study the Baha'i faith, um, which is a beautiful, sacred. I love their scriptures so much. It resonates so much for me. They believe in all manifestations of God. And I'm not a Baha'i. You don't have to be a Baha'i to like get into the scripture. I also study A Course in Miracles, which is a metaphysical text channeled by Jesus. It's a reprogramming. And that's a big part of my life as well. I have a wonderful Course in Miracles community. And I belong to a group for near-death experiencers and spiritual experiencers on the IONS platform. And that's really changed my life. Going to our online sharing groups has given me so much language for my experience. And, you know, I think the really big takeaway for me was that something is happening on a grand level. Like I would not have been awoken otherwise. And the information that I was downloaded with in my experience was very loud and clear. We are in the midst of the great awakening. This is the most exciting time to be on earth. We've all signed up for, to be here for earth's ascension. We're here to transmute negative energy, to shift the collective consciousness from a level of third dimensional thinking to fifth dimensional thinking, which means from going to, from ego-centered thinking to God-centered thinking. And yeah, it's supposed to be a wild ride. And I'm really grateful that I was able to share my experience with you today. Thanks for staying so present for it. Oh, thank you. Uh, you said in your experience, maybe I missed it, but you said you were there against your will in rehab. How? What do you mean? I mean, like it really not against my will. I mean, well, sort of it really felt like there was a hand pushing me through the door. You know, like I did not want recovery. They were asking me to let go of the only life I had ever known and the only version of myself I had ever known. I don't know what I didn't know what I was going to be like not using. And so it just really felt like so forced, you know, but it just, yeah, it, it felt, yeah, like the universe was really pushing me in one direction and one direction only. I was listening to a different interview you did, you did this morning and you were talking about how they made you uh, ask for help to open the refrigerator. Could you talk about that? Why, yeah, they ask, yeah. why they make you ask for help? So, okay. So when I was in treatment, you know, they had all of these intense rules. And one of the rules was you have to ask somebody who had been there longer to go into the fridge for you. And I was like, this rule is ridiculous. I'm a grown woman. I know how to use a refrigerator. But it wasn't about the fridge. It was about asking for help. This community helped me get into the practice of asking others to assist me on my journey with everything. And so because I have that practice in my life, I don't fear asking for help today. And not only asking other people for help, but also asking my higher power for help. I can ask source for anything at any given moment because I've gotten into the practice of doing that. Yeah, I love that. It gives me the chills. Um, what do you wish more people knew? Oh, wow. I wish, uh, well, I think everybody's on their own journey, so I don't want to like wish no. things upon people. But I will say that your thoughts truly do shape your reality. My thoughts before were, I'm impoverished, I'm addicted, I have to do devious things to make money, I'm a liar, manipulator, thief. And so that was my reality. Today, my thoughts are different. I'm an abundant individual. I'm surrounded by spiritual community. I'm on a spiritual path. Good things come my way. And so that is now my reality, just by switching the thought around. And then what's the one thing that helped you the most, would you say, on your spiritual journey? Spiritual community is definitely the thing that helped me the most on my spiritual journey. Um, and, and then some sacred texts that really stick out for me. A Course in Miracles has been 
just such a huge part of my life. At first, I thought that it was a handbook for the recently deceased. I was like, oh, yeah, it's very challenging to read. It reads like stereo instructions. You need like a caseworker to help you get through it. Um, and so but that text really, really has changed my life in such a profound way. Letting me know that I live inside of a dream. This is an illusion and that it can be a nightmare or it can be a happy dream. And that's all up to my thought forms. How can people connect with you if they want to connect with you? Yeah, so I'm on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. My handle on everything is Buddha Betty. And um, I'm, I'll put my email in the liner notes of, the, of this episode as well. Um, I would love to connect, you know, especially if you're, if you're dealing with something with addiction and you need support. There's so much help out there. Um, if you're having a hard time integrating your spiritual experience, please reach out to me. I, I've found so many wonderful communities that helped me integrate my own experience. And um, yeah, I'm willing to connect with anybody. 